0: Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read a page of The Wise Man's Fear and then talk about it. This is page 323. I nodded. That is a great duplication of effort, Kilvin said, his tone more conversational than accusatory. Some might say such a thing is overbuilt. I care very little what other people think, Master Kilvin, I said, only what you think. He grunted, then looked up from the paper and turned to face me. I have four questions. I nodded expectantly. First, of all things, why make this? He asked. No one should ever die from ambush on the road, I said firmly. Kilvin waited, but I had nothing more to say on the matter. After a moment, he shrugged and gestured to the other side of the room. Second, where did you get the... His brow furrowed slightly. Tevitham, the flatbow. My stomach clenched at the question. I'd held the vain hope that Kilvin, being shaldish, wouldn't know such things were illegal here in the Commonwealth. Barring that, I'd hoped he simply wouldn't ask. I procured it, Master Kilvin, I said evasively. I needed it to test the arrow catch. Why not use a simple hunter's bow, Kilvin said sternly, and thereby avoid the need of illegal procurement. It would be too weak, Master Kilvin. I needed to be sure my design would stop any arrow, and a crossbow fires a bolt harder than any other. A Modigan longbow is equal of a flat bow, Kilvin said. But the use of one is beyond my skill, I said, and the purchase of a Modigan bow is far beyond my means. Kilvin let out a deep sigh. Before, when you made your thief's lamp, you made a bad thing in a good way. That I do not like. He looked down at the schema. This time you have made a good thing in a bad way. That is better, but not entirely. Best is to make a good thing in a good way. Agreed? I nodded. He lay one massive hand on the crossbow. Did anyone see you with it? I shook my head. Then we will say it is mine and you procured it under my advisement. It will join the equipment in stocks. He gave me a hard look. And in the future, you will come to me if you need such things. That stung a bit as I'd been planning on selling it back to sleet. Still, it could have been worse. The last thing I wanted was to run afoul of the iron law. Third, I see no mention of gold wire or silver in your schema, he said. Nor can I imagine any use they could be put to in such a device as yours. Explain why you have checked these materials out of stocks. That's the page. I'm Nick. I'm Jordana. I'm Jeremy.
1: Kvothe's in trouble. <laughs> he's in trouble. He's in so much trouble. He got caught with the gold wire. Oh my gosh. Well,
2: but he's actually not, as we find out. And I think that that is telling us about Kelvin's value system and about what a remarkable thing Kvothe has made, that Kelvin basically isn't mad. This is like if I went to one of my professors and was like, well... I, I In order to do research for writing this story, I had to buy a sword uh, and then kill a man with it. And the teacher's been like, okay, we'll just say it was
0: my sword. <laughs> I mean, first off, not quite. That's not quite exactly what, you know, the same stakes. But I think it's, uh, I think Kilvin is testing him because he wants to see if he will lie. And because Quoth doesn't lie, Kilvin doesn't mind. Although, as we'll talk about on the next page, he kind of does lie because he avoids telling him that he actually needed the gold for the gram that he made.
2: Mm hmm.
0: Well, what he I mean,
2: he he just tells a half truth, right? He says, yeah, but but I think that because he tells the whole truth about the crossbow, Kilvin is more inclined not to not depress him about the the precious metals because Quoth has earned his trust a bit, which Quoth then immediately
0: abuses. Is true. And of course, he was hoping that Kilvin would be, you know, like naive about the crossbow. But Kilvin, as we've talked about, is apparently a a storied marksman, perhaps a former warrior. Well, what this tells me is that Kilvin has all kinds of dangerous,
2: maybe even illegal stuff in the stocks that students can use for exactly the kind of thing Quoth was using it for. And if Quoth had just said to him, Kilvin, I need a crossbow to test this thing, he would have been like, okay, I'll get you one. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: He should have just been up front to begin with.
2: Right, but Quoth follows the philosophy of better to ask forgiveness than permission.
1: I hate that philosophy.
0: Which is, no, it's a pretty good philosophy, actually. Uh, but I think it's telling that uh, it's a part of Quoth's character that he feels he has to do everything on his own. He doesn't even think to ask for assistance. I mm-hmm. agree. That he, is a very good. He takes the more dangerous that. path.
2: I agree with you, Jordana. I love rules and I love following them, and so I would never do anything without asking permission first.
1: I mean, I don't love all rules, but if I if I wanted to do something that I figured was probably questionable, I would I would ask first.
0: Nothing will get done unless you do it, and most of the time, the fact that it got done will get you out of trouble.
2: Hmm.
1: I think, that's I, I, think I I would say in the situation of doing things that are question of a questionable nature, I prefer to to do the uh ask permission thing. If I'm not doing something of a questionable nature, obviously I'm just gonna do it.
0: Well, in this case, the ends justify the
1: means. Uh-huh. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. We are not doing this. Uh-huh.
0: I think it's very interesting, and Quoth glosses over it, but he built something to solve a ruh problem. Yeah. This is a perhaps not uniquely raw problem, but it's certainly something that uh, would be useful to his people, would be highly prized amongst them. uh, And it must be, you know, a known issue as traveling people that there are bandits and ambushes on the road and people die from ambush on the road. And this is something that would solve that problem.
1: Yes.
2: Yeah. I think that's just like a good character note for Quoth, right? That like, what does he do when he has, you know, carte blanche to invent whatever he wants, whatever he thinks should be useful. And this is what he comes up with because of the life that he's led. And you know how in the present day, people say, oh, the roads got really bad. Well, I wonder if people are using the bloodless to to help themselves against those bandits.
0: Well, I wonder if it, it becomes the purview of the wealthy. And uh, it, I know at the end of this, they both drops the price, but I wonder if that doesn't stick. Mm. Because certainly the people in, um, in nowhere aren't carrying around bloodlesses. That we know of. Yeah.
1: Well, we know that, um, probably the the guy who got attacked by the Skrael, not that the Skrael are projectiles in any way, shape, or form, but he probably did not have
2: one. Well, Chronicler got robbed and he wasn't carrying one.
1: Yes. But
0: they didn't shoot. They also didn't shoot arrows from behind uh, uh, cover. You know, they didn't ambush him. No. Although we go through his inventory, and they don't take one away. Yeah, I, I bring it up just to point out that a lot of the time, Quoth says, "I am raw through to my bones," and I feel like a lot of the time his actions don't really bear that out. But this is one moment where I would say that it does.
2: Sure thing. I also feel like his logic for why he needs the crossbow and another other kind of bow will not serve his purpose is really sound. And that's another reason why Kilvin kind of lets him off the hook for it.
1: Yeah, he has good reasons for, for having acquired and needing the bow.
2: Because he needs, basically, to make sure that the arrow catch is a quality piece of merchandise, he needs to test it against, like, the worst version of the thing it's supposed to protect against, right? If it can stop a crossbow bolt, it can stop anything. And I also think it's interesting that Kilvin uses the term flatbow, which is a term that I've only ever seen used in fantasy novels as an alternative way to describe a crossbow. Like I've never seen that used in real life, but I've seen it used by multiple different authors, which makes me wonder where it comes from. And I'm just going to do a little research to find out.
0: The sense I get while you do that research is that he's doing a, uh, what's the word, a transliteration of the Shaldish word. He doesn't know the word for crossbow, so Tevitham is the word in, word in Shaldish, and it literally translated means flat bow. That's my hunch here, but I have also heard it called that. Well, yes,
1: I'm, I'm, uh, I i am lean towards Nick's hunch.
0: Well, according
2: to a cursory Google, a flat bow is any bow with a non-recurved flat Wide limbs that are rectangular in cross section. So as opposed to a bow that you hold upright, you can like make a bow that is like kind of flat and straight.
0: But it's but like it that. It'd be a crossbow necessarily.
2: Yeah, without it being like because like, like the thing that makes crossbow a crossbow w- and like mechanical parts. A crossbow has like gears, right? Mm-hmm. It has like a winch that you that you have to crank to to like hold the tension in place. So like uh, a flat bow
0: does not necessarily have to be that. There you go. I guess we learned something. Cool. Um, a bit of nice characterization for Kilvin when he he knows right away that he has four questions. He doesn't say, I have some questions and then go until he's done. He starts the conversation knowing what he wants to say.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I appreciate that as a, as a character piece for Kilvin. I think it makes a lot of sense with what we already know about him too.
2: Mm-hmm. I also think that Quoth has rehearsed his answers to some degree. I think that he knows the Kilvin. Like, I think he was hoping Kilvin wouldn't ask about the crossbow, but he had an answer ready for him if he did ask about it.
0: I agree with that. And I also think that to some extent, Quoth made this for him. We've talked about this for a little bit about how it's kind of a reaction to Kilvin's negative reaction to the thief's lamp. But I think that certainly he made this, like, for Ra uh, travelers. But I think on some extent, he tried to hit every uh, on the checklist of things that Kilvin didn't approve of in his prior project. Both made sure to hit something he would approve of in that same area on this project.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I can see that as being a thing that might happen.
0: And perhaps like the singular most important thing that he got scolded for with the Thief's Lamp is not thinking about ways it might be misused. So he made sure to think about ways it might be misused and to account for them, which is something that designers in the real world need to do more of. Mm -hmm. Hondo P. We have a letter today if you'd like to jump up to it. Bring it to us. Jump up to the letter. Reach up to the sky. Letters in the trees. What letters way up high? This is from Gary, who writes on, regarding A Page of the Wind, pages 280s. Hi, pagers. I hope it's obvious that you don't need to read my emails on air, given that I'm writing about old history, but I will. (laughs) I just listened to the sequence in which Quoth demonstrates his mastery of sympathy to Hem. I assume you received a fair number of letters regarding how sympathy works, as your interpretation is quite different from mine. First, regarding the laws of physics and sympathy, the conservation of energy is true. Matter can be changed into energy and energy into matter, but the sum of energy is constant. See Einstein's E equals mc squared. Nuclear reactions, fusion and fission, produce excess energy by converting matter into energy. Back to sympathy, the bindings do not amplify the energy, but allow energy to flow from one piece to another. Binding the mommet to hem allows the heat from the candle bound to the brazier to flow from the brazier to the candle to the mommet to hem. The efficiency mentioned of 30 to 35% is sort of analogous to the concept of friction. If you try to push a box along a carpeted floor, much of your work is wasted in overcoming friction and not being used to achieve your goal of moving the box. If Foth had thrown the mommet into the brazier, it would have being as if he put him directly into a brazier with one-third of the heat, enough to kill him as he would be burned all over his body. I'm less certain about the following. The double binding is not a regular binding of double strength, but two separate bindings simultaneously. Later in the books, Quoth does multiple bindings with the same goal. I'm thinking about his conflict with Debbie, for example. But I believe this is him splitting his mind in each section, focusing on a unique instance of the same thing. So effectively, this leads to a double or quadruple strength binding. Episode 284 in particular is a synecdoche for my experience with this podcast in general. I start by yelling at you in my car. That is now how, that is not how sympathy works. And end with my mind blown about your insight that the different cities may represent different worlds. It may just be that because I'm reading Rhythm of War at the moment, but I 100% believe now that this theory of synecdoche is canon. Thank you sincerely for all your hard work. This podcast is a very large part of my life at the moment, and I am grateful for it. Signed, Gary.
2: Well, Gary, thank you very much for your letter. Uh, your I'm so inter- glad
1: we read it on air. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Your interpretation of how sympathy works and what he means, but like a double binding jibes exactly with mine. That's how I understand these things
0: to work. I'm actually glad to have this update because one of the things that I think was maybe not underexplained, but maybe doesn't get, uh, we don't get reminded of it quite enough for my taste is the, the idea of the, the, like the multiple bindings and what your brain is actually doing. Um, Because as time passes and as we read, he talks about doing double, triple, quadruple bindings and like the mechanics of sympathy I get, but exactly what he's doing and the effort required, the details of that have begun to elude me. So I'm pleased to get this reminder. Although, wouldn't a single mind bent to a task be more efficient than a mind split four times and then bent to a task because you're you're losing brain power presumably every time you split your mind. No, he's like when you split your mind you're like an
2: amoeba and four minds are better than one mind. Each mind is a whole mind. I I think that the double, triple, quadruple is focusing on different tasks. No. No, because he's right. When he does it to Devi, he splits his mind and then
0: f- the f- different parts of his minds are all doing
2: the same kind of
0: binding. No, so no, 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 no. One one of them is working on Devi and one of them is countering Devi. Yeah. Well, he definitely does
1: the it.
2: thing where he does the same thing with four different minds at some other point. So the point stands.
0: I'm pretty sure that for every binding Devi does, he has to do a counter binding and that's why he has to do it so many times. Right, But, but I'm not reading that section again. <sighs>
1: I also, I argue that it both of those things can be true. Like, you could theoretically do both of those things with the mind-splitting thing. And Ooh. in the
0: long run, it doesn't matter, because it's a book. <laughs> but I do appreciate also the synecdoche of, uh, of that episode being, <laughs> being, uh, being like the experience listening to the podcast, because we are often wrong and uh, strongly wrong about things, but we also have some pretty good ideas and
2: who amongst us has not screamed at our parasocial friends uh, while we're in the shower or in the car
0: oh there's nothing worse than when someone is wrong on a podcast Mm -hmm. and I say that as someone who is often wrong on a podcast (laughs) I should say occasionally (laughs) in a blue moon
1: (laughs) I see you walking back Nick
0: (laughs) yeah you could power a whole city with that backpedal
2: (laughs) Um, (laughs) I hope you're enjoying your Brandon Sanderson novel, Gary And we'll see you tomorrow For another page Of The Wind Brandon Sanderson